the Tom Sumner Program. Old Fashioned Radio for a New Generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. It's time now for Armchair Politics. Join host Tom Sumner for this weekly reality check on current events in local, state, and national politics and the real issues that really matter. You, too, can be part of Armchair Politics. Find us on Facebook. We let the dogs off their leash. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program, our weekly uh, roundtable featuring uh, our roundtable regulars, uh, on the left, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. Paul, good morning. Good morning. Good to be here. And on the right, longtime Genesee County Republican, Henry Hatter. Henry, welcome to you as well. Uh, good morning, Tom and all. And last but not least, we're joined uh, by the author. Um, he's uh, he's uh, been on the show before. Um, author of uh, Preacher Raises the Dead, Gerald Everett Jones. Gerald, Welcome. Pleased to join, Tom. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. This is Henry Hatter speaking. Welcome to you. Thank you, Henry. Well, we always start out with a few uh, quotes, and I thought this one might be kind of appropriate this week. Uh, the The first one is, is where I ask you, how would you finish this quote? And it goes like this. The upward course of a nation's history is due in the long run to what? Hmm. The um, thinking something about the attitude of the people or the the uh, the energy of the people or compromise the ability to work together. Will of the people, yeah, I would say. Well, you're you're all hovering around pretty close to to what it's about. The upward here here's the original quote: "The upward course of a nation's history is due in the long run." to the soundness of heart of its average men and women. Hmm. Soundness oh. of heart. That's a good quote. <coughs> it's kind of Who said that? Yes. Uh, Rogers? No. No. Churchill? I guess, uh, I'm going to guess Lincoln? <laughs> no, Lincoln I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to leave you hanging. It was Queen Elizabeth II. <laughs> oh, oh, oh right. of course. It was a long a time ago. Good choice, good yeah. Choice, yeah. It seemed kind of appropriate this week with the 70th yeah. Jubilee, uh, 70th uh, sure. Jubilee going on. Yeah. 
Well, here's a, a quote that got my attention. Um, in fact, it was kind of buried in the article, but it jumped off the page to me. You can get an AR-15 in Texas easier than you can get baby formula. Oh, boy, I, I read that. Oh, I know I saw that somewhere. Oh, oh It would be uh, the senator from Rhode Island, wouldn't it? No, it was a state senator. State Senator from Texas, Roland uh, Gutierrez, oh, okay. a Democrat who, along with his fellow state Democratic lawmakers, is calling on Governor Greg Abbott to call a special session to discuss changing gun laws. Is the outrage and rhetoric likely to change anything related to preventing gun violence? Mm, I, I no. remain pretty cynical on all this, I'm afraid. I, I do, too. We've seen so many of these things, and in two weeks it'll be old news, and there'll be another <laughs> incident somewhere. Yeah, I'm, and I'm we're, we're not. not arguing with common sense and logic. We're arguing with hyperbole. A lot of this stuff is nowhere near reality, and yet people get fed that every day and don't realize what they're, what they're eating. Jeez, uh, it's... it's uh, it's amazing. Well, Schumer's strategy of, of floating it in the Senate and at least putting uh, members of Congress on record is, I suppose, all that could be done prior to the midterms. And it would be, it'll be interesting to see the analysis of, on the demographics of how this issue and, and the, the things surrounding it um, may actually influence uh, the patterns of voting. But, you know, I saw a whimsical, if you will, whimsical um, opinion piece or satirical opinion piece the other day that said, well, why doesn't Texas make it uh, as difficult to get a, a, an assault weapon as an abortion? And, um, right. you, know, <laughs> you, you do, you know, you do have to have a, a license to drive. I mean, you do have to have a, a pretty complicated permit to hunt. You know, and That's it can true. only be during certain times of year for certain animals. It's like, uh, okay, what, what about regulation is so strange? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 it's really strange how the, how the whole gun culture has become such a potent issue. I, I mean, I recall as a kid that many of us had guns and did a little hunting here and there, and it wasn't a hot-button political issue, but now it's such a bitter mm. partisan issue. Well, you know what's uh, what's interesting is there there seems to be um, some movement on the right on this issue. Um, we saw a lot of high-profile Republicans that didn't um, that dropped out of the NRA meeting that was planned for shortly after this uh, event in Texas. And um, and we see what's going on with uh, Roe v. Wade. It's like these two hot button issues are about to flip for the first time in what more than fifty years. Right, right, yeah. Well, you know the thing that really strikes me, guys, that I I find baffling. Uh, it's not so baffling if I look back on history, draw some parallels, but the 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 guys, if you will, the young guys that you see strutting around with their assault weapons at public demonstrations and being bold to carry them into the grocery store and whatever, it does seem that from their political persuasion, what they want is an authoritarian government. And 
uh, guess, careful what you ask for, because you get an authoritarian <laughs> government, first thing they're going to do is take the guns away, and they're not going to be pinko liberals. They're going to be... That's true. And when I'm thinking about all around the world, and I talk, you know, talked before about living in Kenya, and uh, this movement toward authoritarianism, it's not just here. And I... I the the closest that I can come to understanding this is that the pace of change in our world is just so incredibly rapid. Okay, I mean, um, you know, the Nation Watch Modern Family, and suddenly it's okay to have not only have gay marriage but gay adoptions. This happened within what a blink of an eye in terms of public perception. This this scares people. This pace of change scares people. And, yeah, okay, authoritarian government, you get the trains to run on time, maybe you're going to get uh, um, uh, uh, more visible police presence in the, in the streets, but uh, you may not like it very much. True. Yeah, you know, I have to agree with you 100%, and I've talked about this many times on this show and other stories. You know, maybe if we stop and think about it without jumping to conclusions, uh, the freedom of speech is a detriment to government uh, over time. We can just have too many views on everything. It would be just like we're living in the wild before we begin to colonize and civilize and work in communities. We were all on our own. We killed it at will and until government moved in and <clears throat> put a stop to it. And, well, you know, there's, there's an... There's an old theme about history called the revolution and reaction. The assumption is that after you have a, a dramatic change of a revolution, then inevitably what follows is a reaction against that. And you saw that earlier in our history, and I think, you, as, as you just said, that what we we're seeing right now is the same thing, dramatic change in many areas, and then there's a reaction against it. You got Barack Obama elected, and then you get Donald Trump elected. So, I mean, it's, it's that kind of pattern that goes through history in so many ways that after you have the dramatic change, people react against it. Uh, and the French Revolution, liberal is that supposed to be? And get, get, then they get Napoleon? Precisely, precisely, yeah. yeah. And they beg, they, beg to have, they beg to have monarchy, or not the monarchy, but they beg to have the aristocracy back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I, 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 I think the French are more aristocratic, more, what is it? Uh, it's not Debrett's Peerage, but there's a, there's a book in, in France that's got the old families in it, and that still does control land ownership to some extent and, and, and political influence. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, as well, I say, in many ways, yeah. the, the, the American experience was, was the same. We had the American Revolution in 76, but then we had the Constitution just a decade and a half later, which in many ways is a much more conservative document than a revolution was. So the same pattern re re repeats itself. And, yeah. You know, you saw the same thing after the Civil Rights Movement, and you had George Wallace running for president. Well, we did, and we didn't make it 100 years without a civil war. That's right. No. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think in what adds to your argument, Pastor, is that the, Repo the Democrats, did something that I don't think the Republicans or the rest of the country will ever forgive them for. Trying to turn uh, Washington, D.C. into a state to create that kind of authoritarianism that you're looking at. 
but it would drastically change and move, uh, make the transition easy from a, a democratic form of government into a fascist type. Just that smoothly. Uh, and also Puerto Rico uh, is another one. Those things are on the bill, and I don't think Republicans are, I don't think the American people can forget that. Even though they don't believe in what Democrats do entirely or what Republicans do. But I don't think that this kind of transition will be supported by the American people. Do you think Republicans would like those if those, if those two areas voted Republican? Except <laughs> uh, Puerto Rico and D.C. Yeah, but, but that's the fallacy of the human condition. <laughs> We're all the same people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that's, um, and then, you know, a lot of this stuff is argued with a lot of hyperbole. And uh, somehow we've got to get that settled. And I think that that's fresh and bare in the minds of many, many white Americans who uh, don't necessarily um, want to see the country remain the same as it is. They want to see change. They want to see people elevated from their subservient positions but they don't want to see them over the top. And uh, that is that concerns all of us. Well, I don't know yeah. if we have time to get this in before the break or not, but I'll give it a shot. Another uh, quote that caught my attention this week, I'm trying to stay focused on what I'm supposed to do, and the court has to stay focused on what the law was in 2019. Hmm. Well, I'm not going to leave you hanging. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's we're going to end up <laughs> we're going to end up straddling the uh, the break on this one, but I'll go ahead and tell you where that came from. Genesee County Circuit Court Judge David Newblatt ruled Thursday that the jury would not be instructed that the defendants in the case. William Goodman of Seattle, Matthew Connolly of St. Paul, Minnesota, Patrice Woodworth uh, Crandall of Winona, Minnesota, and Lauren Handy of Virginia believed they were acting in the defense of the unborn fetuses that may have been aborted at the clinic on June 7, 2019. That was the, um, that, that case of uh, uh, protesters that were arrested in Flint Township. Uh, oh, yeah. Remember that case yeah, a couple of years now. ago? Yeah, well, I should mention that. I do recall that. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. my my question is this, and, and you'll have the break to, to ponder your responses because we're going to crash right into the break here in a moment. But the question I have is, is it too soon to try defense strategies based on the anticipated reversal of Roe v. Wade. Anyway, th- think about that for a moment, and uh, we'll have their answers when we return. If you're uh, listening to us on WFOV 92.1 FM in Flint, they are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions of my friend Paul Herring. We're going to let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, We have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We'll be right back. 
Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just, um, attorney general stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So, listen... We just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards, and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam? Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dana, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. 
I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. And welcome back, everybody. We continue now with uh, this week's edition of Armchair Politics, our weekly roundtable on the Tom Sumner program. Joining me uh, for today is our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki on the left, Henry Hatter on the right. They are joined by author Gerald Jones. Gerald um, and uh, Paul Henry, welcome back. Thank you. Good to be here. Well, just before the break, I had uh, asked a question about this case that happened in Flint Township where some people from out of state came in and pretty aggressively uh, uh, protested at an abortion clinic. Um, It might have been a Planned Parenthood office, but I'm not sure. I I don't remember the details that well. Um, But I do remember the case. They were arrested and... uh, now their defense is wanting to instruct the jurors that these people, when they became aggressive in their protests, and no one was seriously injured or um, hurt physically, but um, their defense is uh, trying to have the uh, jurors instructed that the defendants believed they were acting in the defense of an of unborn fetuses and the judge said he's not going to do that and and that it it's 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 almost as if people are starting to test the um, strength of Roe v. Wade in the wake of the leaked document at the Supreme Court and anticipation that Roe v. Wade will be overturned soon. And my question was, is it frankly too soon to try defense strategies based on the anticipated reversal of Roe v. Wade? Oh, I think in particular for an event that happened, what, in 2019? Yeah, and, that and would, th- that's yeah. what the judge is saying. we got to go by what the law was in 2019. So, I mean, I mean, it certainly looks like Roe may be overturned, although we never know. It's, though that was a draft opinion, and we still might be surprised in some way. They may <coughs> tweak it a bit, but it certainly looks like it's going that direction. But as I say, this incident was based upon law three years ago. Um, it was an interesting yeah. test balloon. The, the leaking, the leaking of the of Alito's opinion. You know, the right away. I think there was the assumption, especially on you know Ted Cruz and others, that this was a democratically motivated leak. But I would say, because of the wording, and because of how much further than just Roe v. Wade it seemed to go, it almost seemed like a trial balloon. Um, from the other side of the aisle, but that that's just a personal perspective. I've heard that theory as well, yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, for me, uh, there's a side of the story that I have not been able to understand yet. Uh, one is, how, what impact does this have on young kids who um, hear these arguments and uh, try to figure out where they fit in the world? 
were they born by accident or by the will of two parents? Uh, are they lucky to be here or are they uh, just accidentally here as animals are here, as we characterize the animals? The other thing, I, uh, we, um, we haven't heard from the women yet. There are women who, who are married. There are women who have children every day. There are men and women who say, I love you to their children. And there are teachers that do the same thing, making kids feel as though they belong in the world and that, they, that life is, is precious and stuff like that. Uh, I haven't heard from those. Are they intimidated by all of the arguments <laughs> of the people who, uh, and the vision that people uh, who believe in abortions the, the vision that people get is killing babies. That's uh, the we have to get over that. There are circumstances where, like through incest and stuff like that, and maybe uh, murder and uh, others, that that can be reconciled. But just in talking about killing babies is well. The the standard the standard. Uh so-called loopholes to a total abortion ban is uh, our conditions involving rape, incest, and um, life, the of the mother. life of the mother. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I don't see the argument. I, you know, I, if women are f who have babies and who are having babies and women who will have babies tomorrow and the day after that, uh, despite of all of the argument, if they're satisfied with that, then I guess I ought to be satisfied with it. Because I don't think that they believe in killing babies, going in and dissecting them. But I don't think anybody's intimidated. If you take a look at the arguments on both sides, and it's you know, it's, the, the the percentage division on on the issue has not changed much over the years. It's. I don't think anybody's intimidated. There's pretty, you know, vociferous arguments on both both sides, and it's been there for a long time. So, well, Paul, you were talking about before about uh, the pendulum swinging in terms of, uh, you know, between uh, radicalism, conservatism, mm -hmm. whatever, after uh, historical events, and I, I, I'm, I'm convinced that after the midterms uh, we're going to see a pendulum swing continue to swing in a in a more hopefully not authoritarian but uh, it it may well be like that direction and i i would say in many ways and 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 perhaps in in reaction to what tom was saying at least in terms of mindset if not the law i think we all have to be prepared for um an era of, of much more conservatism and pleas for, um, if you will, uh, control, and it's a it's a process we'll have to live through. And I, there again, I've seen some opinion pieces on how unprepared we are for a world or or a society uh, without Roe v. Wade and without those types of um, healthcare services. And unfortunately, I think we're just going to have to live through the consequences. I, I, but but I get to I get kind of I get really pessimistic when I think about all right. Well, did we do anything after Chernobyl? Did we do anything after Fukushima? And it's like 
I'm, I'm not sure. You know. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's uh, here's a, a piece that uh, that might cheer you up a little bit. Um, please. <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, a man walks into a bar. No, a man walks in. A, a man walks into the lobby of the Genesee County Jail on a Sunday afternoon, wielding oh, yeah. a gun. What happens next? He is peacefully, harmlessly apprehended outside the facility by officers from different agencies. And why is that? Because of good training and de-escalation tactics, according to Genesee County Sheriff Chris Swanson. But the gun was not real. It was a toy cap gun, but with the orange tip on the end, a plastic piece meant to differentiate it from real firearms removed, it bared a striking resemblance to that of a real gun. What could have happened next has happened many times before. The man holding the gun is shot and killed by members of law enforcement. The shooting could be ruled justified. The man had an item that looked like a real gun after all. The sheriff said the incident is an example of how right law enforcement has to be in responding to a call. Why don't more man-with-a-gun stories end like this? That's true. Yeah, no, I was struck by the very same story. That guy was very lucky because... You could only imagine the in, in so many other instances. Well, unless he was a, unless he was trying to commit suicide by cop, and then he was completely yeah, yeah. thwarted. Yeah. Well, kids uh, in school learn that from kindergarten up. You don't bring out anything that resembles a gun, or you will be expelled. Now, this is from kindergarten up. This guy may have been in an age group where that was already enforced. He should know better to walk around with a gun that does not have any bullets in it. If you have one... Especially in the county like John, jail when you're surrounded by law enforcement. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a, you have to be yeah. like John Wayne. If you have one, you intend to use it. There was um, years ago. There was Amadou Diallo in New York, and he he had a a, a black wallet that the that's right yeah the, uh, the cops thought was a gun. And I mean, but you know, you put yourself in the in the position of the of of law enforcement. I mean, you know, if somebody's even reaching it, there, there's that case of, you know, the um, uh, the female um, officer who, you, you know. It, 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 he's reaching in the government into the glove compartment uh, r- routine um, request for um, you know paperwork and but is there a gun in that in that in that in that, in that yeah glove but the thing we, is when there's, so many, when there's so many guns it's like okay I mean again when I lived in Kenya you you could I knew of neighbors who who had lived through home invasions. Okay, it, 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 nobody has a gun. So, okay, you're you're minus your computer and your TV. You replace those the next day. You still have your life. In this country, you're not going to survive a home invasion. Yeah, yeah. No, you make a good point, Gerald. That I mean, you know, if he, if you're a cop and you're making the most even a routine traffic stop, you know, when every other kid in the in the county is carrying a gun, you never know. Well, you have to assume they're all. There's a point which you understand yeah. that, yeah. Well, when I was a child in Flint, you, uh, the police officers were considered your friends. You know, it's it's a, it's amazing, and there was something to reverend about a police officer. You know, it's unfortunate today, to, to say, but you couldn't you couldn't pay me enough money to make that walk. 
from my car to a pulled over car you know that that police officers make mm-hmm. during a routine traffic stop and uh, i'm afraid it's going to get to this uh very mad max kind of uh, using the loudspeaker to instruct someone who's been pulled over to get their paperwork and exit the car you know before the officer ever even gets out of his car um to to avoid that that very same kind of ambush scenario yeah. Well, and the idea of being conservative about about traffic stops, you know, not pulling somebody over for a broken taillight. I mean, I don't, I don't know what what the, you know, what the policy is these days, but uh, that that's probably uh, that's probably fine. I mean, you know, we've got the technology with the license plates and the and the databases. You know, we we the, the cops can cite you for that t- taillight without ever stopping your car. So. Uh, you know, let's let's think of ways of not having to. Uh, let, let's have let's have let's have some pretty serious probable cause before we have to do traffic. That's a good stuff. point. That's, that's a good. Yeah, it's a, that's a really good point. Yeah, but, it, you know, it, I think for so many examples, it looks like you know when you take a look at the minor stops, the broken tail lights, the you know missing tab on your license, it, it seems like it's got a clear racial element to it. I I've never been stopped for a broken tail light, and I've had some that were out. The cops never stopped me. Well, I have. But, <laughs> Maybe that's my point, Henry. <laughs> yeah, that could even be true for rolling stops. It could it could be true for speeding. You know, okay, you know the the cop is is swearing, you know, on, on penalties of perjury that and losing his job that uh, that that actually occurred. Then stopping the car doesn't really establish anything other than uh, do you know why I stopped you and. Uh, no officer. <laughs> Anybody <who> answers <laughs> yeah. True. But, but again, if you're stopped by a, a policeman in other countries, and again, I'll come back to Kenya, that that policeman is looking for a bribe. Okay, and we do have a, a culture here in this country where, as 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 Henry says, you know, uh, and I even had Kenyans say to me, "Oh, you're lucky in your country that if a, if a cop stops you, you you think that they're your friend." Well. We're rapidly entering a situation, well, especially if we're driving while black, uh, that um, you know that 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 might not be the case. But you know, I've ha- I've yeah. had I've had cops in other countries say, uh, "Oh, it's cold out here. We've got something for tea." That was pretty minor, <laughs> okay. And that yeah. was actually outside the U.S. embassy, which was kind of interesting. But then, uh, but I but also uh, we had our dogs in the car, and it's like, uh, where where's your paperwork? Uh, well, we, we're just going between counties. Oh, you need paperwork to go between counties. Uh, well, then I'll hold the dogs here, and then you go. No, you you go. You, you drive five hours back to your house and get the paperwork. Right. Okay, well, what are the chances that that our dogs are going to still be there by the time that we drive back? So that cost us five a five hundred dollar bribe to get out of that one. Yeah, I got a similar story from Mexico one time. A friend of mine and I were were going down there at. In, and uh, we made an illegal turn somewhere and got stopped. And and he, he says, "Why?" Well, well, what do we need to do? Says, well, you can pay me now. You can pay me later. <laughs> so, yeah. So we oh, paid yeah. It. We exactly. Yeah. You can pay it now. Is kind of a. Uh, I had that happen in Chicago. You can pay it now. Right. Now, that, was, that, was, that, was, that was under Mayor Daly. <laughs> That's Mayor, right. Mayor <laughs> senior. Okay. <laughs> One might say, "Oh, that was during the corrupt era." Right. But, but guys, you're can we go about, back to the You're talking about the, the first mayor daily, right? Yeah, he was um 
an authoritarian mayor. Yeah, that's <laughs> my, my favorite if, story if, about if you him. Voted, if you voted, uh, you know, on his side, um, especially South Side, uh, traditionally a Polish community under uh, Ed Vrdoliak was a, a assemblyman, I think. The rumor was that, you know, if you needed a new set of trash cans, you just picked up the phone and, you know, they'd be there the next morning. Sure. I, I lived on North Side and uh, Bill Singer, the the, the, the so-called socialist assemblyman was our representative and it was like we had potholes five feet deep that never got fixed <laughs> <laughs> no my my sister lives in the old mayor daly's neighborhood even now and, and, and that's, a, that's a very true story about the trash barrels among many other things well i think yeah. paul, you guys- paul you've heard you've heard me tell uh, this story before i, I met a uh, chicago police officer who had come to Michigan. He was uh, working security for a drug store chain. And um, he had been on uh, Mayor Daley's uh, protection detail and got to know him pretty well. But he said what people used to say about uh, about that Mayor Daley was that he couldn't add or subtract, but he knew how to divide. Oh, yeah, that's true. (laughs) That is true. Yeah. Well, he was the one who supposedly slept in the Lincoln bedroom. He was the first guest in the Lincoln bedroom after Kennedy was elected. And, you know, that was, he was the, uh, you know, the Chicago organization was pretty close to Joe Kennedy. So right. there, was that, there was that hint of, imagine, you know, election fraud back then. And, and they That's say that he had... JFK won Illinois. <laughs> he had. Uh, you guys skipped over the the uh, incident there uh, with uh, our own sheriff here. What happened there? That's amazing. It is Just amazing. Think about the culture that he's trying to create here. If a kid gets killed as a result of that, he deserved it. But the kind of culture that I think Swanson is trying to create is one of authority, and one that's just and fair, and one that will react if you, uh, if you break the law. Well, he's trying, no. he's trying to turn, he's, he's trying to make a, a kinder, more sophisticated kind of law enforcement officer. Not just a bouncer, but, you know, yeah. the smart one in the room. And, and I think it was typified by his early and early on with the Black Lives Matter marches when he, you know, the Walk With Us move, when the protesters were going down Miller Road, and it looked like it was going to be an angry confrontation, and he took off his uh, police garb and walked with them for the, you know, the next few blocks for the for the protest. Well, that was an amazing it changed, moment. Changed the attitude immediately. That was an amazing moment because, you know, he said. What do you want me to do? And one of the people in the crowd, and this, they should get a lot of credit for this. Simply said, "Walk with us." Yeah. And and yeah. Chris picked right up on it. Chris Swanson, our sheriff, and ordered everybody, you know, put down the riot gear and let's just walk with these guys. And that's what they did. It completely changed the personality of that event. And you should see the respect that Chris Swanson gets from the black community. He can go anywhere and get a donut or a cup of coffee in any building, uh, in any home, and feel right at home, and yet have the authority of being the policeman. Uh, You you know what's interesting? Go ahead. 
the rest of the world will criticize him for that. So he's out there on his own, and he, by his peers, he's being criticized for uh, bending too far over to appease people of color and stuff like that, for criminals or all the other kind of people that fall out on the outside. But there is a practice that we ought to think about, and we ought to try to encourage Oh, a- absolutely. That was that was the point of there drawing some people, attention. Everybody who carries a gun does not deserve to come out of these things in a positive way because of criminal intent. But he'll know that, and he will have tried to do his best to avoid that kind of incident. And I think that the people will believe that he avo- tried to avoid the incident. And the incident is always going to be there. So it's going to be one that you'll probably face one today and tomorrow and so on and so forth. But with his attitude, it's worthwhile to follow him and support him until he does something uh, that is not in our views of respectability. Or you know, what's interesting, Henry, is that in, during the Black Lives Matter marches of, of a couple of years ago, uh, as a result of that Walk With Us move, I had Flynn avoided some of the the uh, the uh, the riots you saw in other cities. I don't think we had any kind of uh, destruction in downtown or elsewhere around, around no. town. Yeah. There were marches, but they were all all peaceful. Yes, so, makes a difference. Well, I'm not going to try to suggest that that somehow local law enforcement is uh, entirely representative of the population but they are more representative than a lot of cities and have been for a long time and not through some special staffing programs or um Sultans coming in from the feds or right. the, the Justice Department or anything. It's just something that has evolved organically. And I think it's kept temperatures a little cooler at some of those times. Of course, Chris Watson is taller than most people, too. <laughs> so he gets the long channel. <laughs> by, by the way, on a somewhat parallel topic, does anybody think he's going to be running for anything else in the future? I heard about the governor. Did you hear that? I heard that some time ago. I mean, just just a one-line story I saw someplace, and I don't know, frankly, where it came from or anything else, but I've often wondered whether he he had ambitions beyond being the sheriff. Well, I think that was one of those trial... I think that was one of those trial balloons that went over like the Hindenburg. (laughs) (laughs) It could be. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But the idea of presenting... um, a, a persona that would be um, that would be diligent uh, and strong law enforcement combined with, if you will, compassionate social attitude. Uh, that's that's a that's a stellar profile for a, a political candidate. That's true, you know, and I, I think if you know, if and when he does go for something else, I think he'll have pretty good support. Cause I mean, it may be a hypocrisy. It may it may come across in some in some situations and personalities as hypocrisy, but I mean, in fact, that is that is what we expect. And uh, you know, to go back to uh, again to go back to Henry and Paul's points about uh, 
cup. Um, Gerald, I'm sorry. I'm going to have I'm going to have to interrupt because we have a break coming up. Usually, I do this to Henry, but um, we'll, we'll we'll be back with a uh, with more of uh, armchair politics. Right Hello there, citizen. Darkwing Duck here, and every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck up. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Cloth or disposable? Paint or wallpaper? Yellow or green? Babies come with lots of decisions. Crib or bassinet? Rocker or glider? So when it comes to protection against diseases, go with the safest, most effective choice. Vaccination. To protect your child against 14 serious childhood diseases like measles, meningitis, and whooping cough. That's why nearly all parents choose it. Stroller or carriage, basketball or soccer. So get all the recommended vaccinations for your baby by age two. For more reasons to vaccinate, talk to your child's doctor. Go to cdc.gov vaccines or call 800-CDC-INFO. Justin or Justine. Immunizations help give you the power to protect your baby. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Why are we stopping? We're going to be late for the show. Mom, Dad, we got to get gas. Not here, you're not. This place is charging an arm and a leg. Look, these days, price swings of 30 or 40 cents per gallon aren't unusual. But when a gas station charges a price way above the price at similar stations, that could be gas gouging. Michigan gas stations sell the correct quality and quantity of gas most of the time. 
But when a station does try to illegally take advantage of drivers, my office is here to stop them. Stop Attorney Generaling! We got a concert to get to! I hope she doesn't sit next to us. Narc. This is Attorney General Dana Nussel. If you have information about potential gas gouging, call my office or go online at michigan.gov slash ag. Put those away. We're at a gas station. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Armchair Politics continues now on the Tom Sumner Program, and uh, we have uh, Gerald Everett Jones is joining our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, and he got his turn to be cut off at the the break. (laughs) Everybody gets a turn, but Henry seems to get more turns than most. Um, But, uh, Gerald, I did did have to cut you off, and I wanted to give you an opportunity to finish uh, what you were saying before we move on. Oh, see, that's because of Henry's graciousness, isn't it? <laughs> he just cut off, but uh, but the point I, the point I was making was every cop is in some respect uh, a social worker, and um, it and and yes, as a result of some of the recent debates, the idea is you know how can we how can we relieve some of that responsibility and actually involve mental health workers, social workers more, or even dog catchers or, or animal control. And, you know, I think about it also as, you know, in the military, you know, a warfighter will say, well, we're not nation builders. Well, actually you are. I mean, you know, we know how to, we know how to use force. We know how to uh, destroy things. But, you know, the, the, the recent failures, if you will, of our military engagements have to do with a failure to, to win hearts and minds, a fail, failure to win nations. And these, this, these social responsibilities, this, these soft skills, it, we need to put money behind them. I mean, the, the, the argument in Texas that, oh, no, it's not guns, it's mental illness. Well, actually, it's both. Okay, it's it's ready access to weapons. The reason that the that the cops didn't go in was because that that kid had so many rounds that they knew that that there would be a lot of them that would also fall um, in 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 going in. If if he had only had a, ga- a handgun, it it would have made it might have made a difference in terms of police response. But then also, uh, you know. In terms of police training and and training of you know and I and I know some people in law enforcement who who say okay well you can't send a social worker in they're not trained well all right then maybe we do have to <laughs> we have to triage some people in the in the uh, university system of, of okay which of you social workers. Uh, uh, has, has is also inclined to put one foot into law enforcement. Maybe we need a different kind of professional. Yeah, it's as somebody amazing. pointed out in terms of the whole gun debate, that a lot of other countries certainly must have mental health issues, but no other country's got so many of these these mass shootings. Well, yeah, no, no, like I said, yeah. It's like I said again, if, if you have a home invasion, you're going to survive. There's those, uh, you know. I was I was mugged in Nairobi, and you know, I lost my my credit cards, and my phone, and my passport. I don't know why they wanted my passport. They're not going anywhere. But I mean, it was like two, you know, 
15-year-old kids, they they threatened me as though they had a knife. I don't think they had a knife, but I didn't want to take a chance that they did. But, you know, it was over in five minutes. They ran away, and I still have my life. But if mm-hmm. I was mugged in New York City, you know, by, by, uh, by, some, by, by somebody who's strung out and who had a weapon, uh, I might not have survived. Uh, why, why is uh, the gun problem only um, as prevalent? to the degree that it is in the United States only. Why is that? I think isn't it part of our frontier heritage? We we, we idolize that so much. I mean, I, I think you're exactly right, Henry. I don't know any other country that, that uh, idolizes the gun in quite the way we do here. And I but suspect it's part because of our, the, you know, the whole Wild West tradition, history, and all that kind of business we've, we've been through. I don't know. <laughs> But, but, I don't you know, recognize it's true. Uh, I, you know, being here in Hollywood, you know, I, I think I might have mentioned it to you guys before, but you know, I passed a billboard for a comedy. You know, the star was uh, African American, and uh, the, on the billboard, he's got a he's got a you know a, a Sig Sauer uh, pistol for a comedy. I, you know, <laughs> they must have done a focus group and and said, well, you know. You know, attached a sensor to people's blood pressure. It's like, okay, let's see yeah. which one provokes people the most. And years ago, I judged a student film contest, one and two minute films. They were produced actually by not underprivileged kids, these were by private school kids. These were privileged kids in Manhattan. And of the 50 films that I looked at, I want to say about 47 of them ended the plot with some kind of weapon. Hmm. Okay. So the idea, and, and you know, Aristotle said conflict is drama. Well, you know, guess what? Argument and debate is also drama. You know, let's 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 infuse education with. Uh, I mean, uh, we, yes, they could set better example in Congress. Let's have some debate instead of just simply sound bites in both directions, or, 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 or talking points that have no hope of rebuttal because they're just so flaky and ridiculous. So uh, you know, responsible argument. You know, the lawyers call it argument, and um, but argument is actually in in a, in a legal context is debate. So uh, more debate, please. Yeah, I'm thinking in some ways social media like like uh, Twitter has has reduced us to to these oh, yeah. little one line sound bites rather than than any development of an argument. You yeah, know, gotcha. I, I was I was in Japan in, in 1998, uh, 25 years ago. So I I was there on behalf of Michigan State University. We had. Uh, this is after we had gone to Ireland and looked at the impact of the euro on the economy, and then we went to Japan. And one of the things I I I read there is that the Japan has only 35 deaths a year, and this was 25 years ago, uh, uh, nationally, and Finland has twice that many per year. And we're a nation of uh, of 330 million. Japan is probably 100 million, close to 90 million maybe. But but they have a far lower incident per rate, and they 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 rated that in incident per million people, or for mm-hmm. 100,000 people, I think it was. 
they only have well, I think, I think you're right, Henry. Except for some countries in the, you know, in the middle of a civil war or a revolution or something, in terms of just the gun death, uh, gun death ratio here, we outpace almost every other nation in the world. And I understand that there are only 900,000 guns available to civilians around the world. And the Americans have 90% of those. Maybe 80 or 90% of those. That's, that's I thought we had 400 million guns. We have, we have, we have uh, 400 million guns in the United States. Yeah, that's, that's the number I've heard, somewhere around 400 million. Yeah, so it's, it's more than one per person. But but then again, yeah, I had heard that also too. concentrated in in states where, for example, they pointed out that you know the gun violence in Chicago, uh, Illinois has got pretty conservative gun laws, but the guns come right in from Indiana because it is a, it's a pretty short drive. Yeah, that's right. But Gary, Indiana is right across the border there. And, and Australia's done a great job, a great in in being more restrictive about, and I think Australia even had a gun buyback program. So I mean, the idea of a of a of a buyback program, you know, I would I'd say, you know, let's let's um, uh, defund a couple of F thirty five jets, which which will pay for uh, uh, just about. Yeah. I mean, that, you talk about about um, uh, social welfare, uh, uh, corporate welfare, but but F thirty five is colossally. Not that it doesn't work, finally, but uh, uh, defund a couple of F thirty fives and do a huge uh, buyback program. Th these eighteen year olds will surrender those those assault weapons pretty pretty fast if they're getting money for them and they're illegal. And then uh, uh, I would say a federal excise tax on on the specific ammunition that uh, you, because you you can't just get the guns. You've got it now. That will as any as any prohibition will, that will create a black market in ammunition. However, <laughs> smuggling ammunition is a little bit more difficult than smuggling powder or liquid because any any crude metal detector <laughs> will tell you that that shipment's got a <laughs> lot of bullets in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. But, you know, we talk about guns and we talk about uh, uh, violence and stuff like that. But we don't talk about individual behavior that's driving all of this. It's yeah, not I agree, guns. Henry. Yeah, uh, it's not the guns. It's, uh, yeah, no, there, there's an issue there too, Henry. I mean, it's. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm thinking historically, you go back a couple of decades. It seemed like there really weren't, especially in terms of school shootings, they were essentially unheard of or very, very rare. Now it's every every other week there's another one of some kind, and the guns were there in both cases. You know. Well, the yeah. stresses are certainly greater in in society in terms of of the the pressures on young people. But yes, of course. I mean, the, the whole idea of how do we address mental health? Now, we do have a policy, and it it relates to not only um, uh, terrorism but also uh, political protest. Is you know, I, you know, how many people can tell you what the Unabomber's agenda was? And part of that has to do with the media and the government do not speak of what the motivations were because they don't want that violence to have a platform. And I think that's, I think that is, that's a legitimate policy because otherwise you create an incentive. For that violent act, because people are looking for um, 
sensationalism. They're looking to grab headlines. Mm-hmm. But then again, somebody within responsible society needs to be taking a hard look at, okay, the FBI's got that data, but is the FBI... The, if the, is the FBI acting on the data of what does this group of misfits believe, and that, why are why are you know you had you had the the guy in Texas a few years ago he was the head psychologist, and, right. but he was a Muslim right. American and he goes and, and he goes and kills uh, uh, Americans you know well, we presume, presumably, presumably don't touch that dial we'll be right you're back. listening to Tom Sumner. 